Are we ready? Testing one, two. So welcome to Gospel Well Podcast Season 2, Episode 2. Because some of you guys like the music. Here's the music. Some. All. <laughs> oh, everybody. Okay. All right. <laughs> And today we have Michael Achoa. Michael, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> we thought as we're continuing this topic of gospel mission, which flows out of gospel well, we thought, and I thought, as you led the Summer Sunday Night series on gospel proclamation and sharing the gospel with anyone really, but friends, family members, coworkers, neighbors, I thought, wow, we really need to get you here, Michael, too just to talk about some of these topics, to share some stories. I wanted to ask if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself. And, you know, for those who don't know you as well as we do, the the fun-loving part of you. First, what are your interests? I love the Bible. (laughs) Obviously, that's... um, Number one. Yeah, the Bible, Jesus. um, But I do enjoy outdoor activities. I like hunting fishing, archery, um, yeah, all of that sort of thing. And actually, it's bow season right now. It's actually archery bow hunting season. And uh, and you missed opening day. Missed opening day. and my For friends, the gospel. Right. And I had uh, friends even last night trying to get me to go for this weekend, and I had to turn them down. Wow. Yeah, so it's... Uh, but I hope to be able to go later in the season. Mm. So. What's you hunted with a bow? Deer. Um, oh, deer. Grouse. Yes, deer. Um, grouse. There's like there's like forest chickens. Yeah, um, pheasant? Pheasant. Um, not up there. No, no okay. pheasant. You can hunt pheasant with a shotgun. I know some people that actually hunt them with like uh, recurve bows and that kind of thing. Mm. But, but when they're up there hunting, we're up there hunting, we can hunt grouse and deer. And I've hunted bear in the past. So. Well, you had that bear in your refrigerator. Freezer. Freezer. That was not with a bow, though. That was with a bow. That was with a bow. That, that was, was your bow. bow? Yeah, that was with my bow. Yeah. Did you uh, partake of that delicacy yet? Uh, it's been a long time. And actually, yeah, we had a little bit, but we gave we gave the bear meat away, actually, to somebody here at Wellspring. Oh. And uh, th- they're not here anymore. But okay. They, uh, yeah, they, and uh, they made stew and jerky, and I think... Um, and I gave part of it to my other friends who used it to like train his uh, dogs and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's not uh, the best tasting meat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So hunting, but I would say far more than hunting, you love Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you love talking about him. Yes. And you love sharing with others about who he is. Yeah. You know that. Next question is. If you had to pick two books that you would say, these are the two books I would recommend regarding sharing the gospel with others. It doesn't have to be practical. It could be philosophical. It could be, you know, here's why you should do it. It may be out of conviction. What do you feel like would be those two books? I think one of them, which I've read recently, is titled uh, Before You uh, Evangelize, and that's by Matt Smethurst, and it's a short book, easy to read, Mm. but it actually talks about motivations for gospel proclamation and evangelism, and it deals a lot with our mindset as we go into it, and so that's one title. Another, there's toss-up between actually two other ones, um, which I also read recently. One was by Rico Tice, and that's called Honest Evangelism. And that was really good, uh, very helpful. Um, and another one I'm reading right now is by Randy Newman. I'm almost done with it, and it's 
really, really good. And it's uh, based on uh, talks by C.S. Lewis, the Mere Christianity talks, but it's called Mere Evangelism by Randy Newman. I highly recommend both of those titles. Okay. Yeah. I think we have at least a couple of them in our library, and we will get Mere Evangelism. And as well as the the last one that you had mentioned was by uh, Sinclair Ferguson. That was Lessons from the Upper Room by Sinclair Ferguson, Okay, which I read also. And he deals um, in several chapters with Mm. evangelistic outcomes of Christ's discourse from the Upper Room. Mm. Okay, Michael. So I think there is a difference between our call to share the gospel with others, which is for every Christian. And then for those that the Lord has perhaps, when we were in seminary, it was a big thing to take spiritual gift tests. I don't think that's the best thing to do per se, but one of the gifts was evangelism. And I'm not saying necessarily that, oh, there's a super strong gift of evangelism, but it's sort of hard to say that there isn't something. I would say you definitely have that gift. And it's, it's not just in uh, your heart. But when you talk about it, when you talk about how you encounter people, I know for one thing, when we were talking about going two by two to a different, to do door to door evangelism, everyone who was at our time together said, I want to go with Michael, (laughs) including me. (laughs) We all were saying, we want to go with Michael. So it's going to be a battle to see who goes with you. But I do think there is a, some gifting that the Lord gives. So again, it's not to say that we're not all called to, in a sense, be evangelists or to share Christ with others. But where do you think that comes from for you? It's definitely the Holy Spirit. I'm not, I don't believe I, I don't believe there's a gift of evangelism. I believe Bible scripture says that God gives evangelists as gifts to the church, like he does pastors and teachers and other leaders and apostles. He's given those as gift to the church. And their job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. And so um, evangelists are given as gifts, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's their gift. Okay. And, but uh, I think the Holy Spirit definitely is the prompter. He's the one that fills with the power. And we know the Bible says that he does gift severally as he will. He does gift and apportion these spiritual gifts mm-hmm. as he decides to in each person. And the church needs each person. To, um, that's why attending church and being with the believers is so important because these gifts manifest themselves right. in that context. But evan- I believe um, the gift, what people would consider the gift of evangelism really comes from the Holy Spirit allowing us, drawing us close to, to Christ to actually see, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. see his glory. Because when we see his glory, we mm-hmm. we testify of it. Yeah. We can't help but to do yes. that. And for me, yeah. I think that's kind of what it is. It's like, what immediately came to mind is that our church folks don't think that way of Holy Spirit being the one to be active in their lives to to do evangelism. I can see why people would think that. But, you know, the, when Christ's talking to his disciples, he actually said when the Holy Spirit does come upon them, he would be the one to empower them to witness. And, and that is and it's that same Holy Spirit throughout Scripture who, who highlights and focuses the spotlight of attention on Christ, not on us, but actually on Christ. And and when the Holy Spirit indwells us and fills us with his word, he as well, the same way he uses us as those, as like an instrument to highlight the glory of Christ. And that's, so it has to come from him. And I think if it doesn't come from him, that's where we, you know, people fall into legalism and guilt and other feelings about, about mm-hmm. evangelism. But when you really truly have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we, we share. 
we share that on Instagram. We share it on Facebook. We share it everywhere. Um, when we, we go to a restaurant and we have a good meal, we are telling people about it. That was so good. And it's the same way when we feast on Christ and we, we, we uh, savor him and we delight in his glory, then it's the same way. It's more of a natural sharing of who he is. And several of these books I mentioned, they actually talk a bit specifically about that, about our testifying of who Jesus Christ is and how he has revealed himself to us. Like the blind man, he said, I don't know about you. I don't know why you guys are having a hard time believing this, but I was blind and now I see, and I know he's the one that did it. And so, you know, he just testified of his experience um, with Christ. And that is how same way for every single person who's come to faith in Christ. If Christ has made them born again, they have that same kind of story to tell. I was dead, but now I am alive. Mm -hmm. You know, he's brought me from death to life or he is my good shepherd, or he is my, my redeemer and my rock and my hiding place, and so much more. Everybody can testify of who Christ is in some way. And I think all of that is evangelism. In a sense, it, it is all testifying of Christ that mm-hmm. way. Do you think that you need to be saved in a dramatic way in order to have that type of heart or evangelism? For example, uh, you mentioned the blind man. He was healed. He could see. That's a pretty dramatic story. And so you can see someone saying, well, I was blind. Now I see. I know your story. You have a pretty dramatic means by which the Lord changed you, transformed you. But what about the person who, say, doesn't necessarily have that story? Is it, I don't know if you're going to have that heart of sharing the gospel this way, or is it maybe you're not saved and therefore you don't know it, or is it something else? I think it's two things. I think people can have a perception that because they don't have that kind of drastic testimony, a drastic change in their life that's so noticeable that they don't have a story to tell. I think they do. I believe they do. I believe if they really sat and really looked at their own sin and where they were, you know, it doesn't, people think of like addiction or, or even uh, some of those things as like the big sins, but all of them, all sin is pretty much death dealing, death earning. We're all in the same place and it takes the same gospel to bring us both to life. I'm just as dead as a person. I, w- I was just as dead as a person who maybe even only told two lies their whole life and did really well in school and never, you know, broke curfew with their parents and never did any of those horrible things. We were both in the same place, dead. And it both took Christ to bring us both to Mm -hmm. life. And so it really is the same. I think it can be harder for people that don't have a drastic change to get to that point of where they feel like they do have the story to tell. But maybe that's a fault of uh, evangelicalism and focusing on the drastic testimonies rather than all of them. Mm-hmm. And we know in heaven, mm-hmm. it says, you know, the Bible tells us that all heaven rejoices when one person, it doesn't say that when it's just the addict or the former prostitute or even the Satanist comes to Christ. It's all, it's when one sinner comes to repentance. What about the person who is afraid, who has a fear of sharing or talking about Jesus? What would you say to that person? I'm with them. (laughs) I think Paul was with them. I think um, even we see the bravest Christians um, in in Scripture um, were with them. I think John the Baptist was even afraid at times as he sat in prison waiting his execution. I mean, 
how you know can he not be and that's why i think to believers christ i think you said this in one of your sermons pastor sam some of the most spoken words by christ as a command is fear not don't be afraid um, don't be troubled i think all of those kind of go into the same basket in a sense of fear and i think the apostles were afraid of persecution i know paul prayed for boldness to proclaim the gospel and also there were times when christ appeared to the the apostles and told them to fear not and so fear is a big thing and it's i think it's also one of the biggest tools that satan uses and um paul in ephesians you know when he talks about putting on spiritual armor I think all of those things are to increase our faith and give us faith over fear and that understanding the battle that we face is spiritual. And each one of those things is actually put on with prayer. Um, he says, you know, that we, we do, we have all the pieces of armor and we, it's put on finally at the end with prayer. And, and that is where we um, get our strength from is the Lord is to overcome that fear. But I think the more you um, do that and the more people prepare themselves, I think with the reality of this world, you know, Jesus said, if the world hated me, it's also going to hate you. If it's persecuted me, it's going to persecute you. You know, that the servant is not above the master to be excluded from any uh, type of persecution. And so I think that's the reality of it is that the world isn't going to like us. And our enemy, Satan, is definitely not going to want us doing that and is going to try to intimidate us. And even are using our own thoughts and our own weaknesses against us. And it's I'm not saying this is specifically uh, Satan doing this to us as individuals, but I think in that realm of spirituality, you know, the demons and all of the the way Satan uses the world and its influence and uh, in a sense broadcasting his message into the world intimidates us. And we see it in the news today, like when anybody tries to profess the truth about Christ, there's a lot of intimidation and it's meant to silence us, you know, in that. And we definitely need the Lord and the Spirit to help us overcome that. Mm-hmm. Earlier you said um, so much is spirit-led and the Holy Spirit leads us to Christ. In evangelism, can you speak about confidence in the Holy Spirit for the work of evangelism, mm-hmm. for the boldness in evangelism? Um, can you speak more about that? Yeah, um, the, the Holy Spirit, uh, he is like a lion inside. I think he's, I mean, inside of every believer. And the more we are yielded to him, the more we our surrender to him through scripture and just saying, Lord, use me. And then he will, I tell you, if you pray for an opportunity and ask him to open up an opportunity uh, to talk to somebody about the gospel, he will. (laughs) And it'll come uh, sometimes a lot quicker than you even expect. And in doing so, he provides all that we need to the words we, we need to say and I know in the context of like in Matthew and and different places where Jesus is actually sending out his disciples two by two, he tells them not to think about the words because the Holy Spirit would supply these words. But that in in context was actually of them being taken in front of in magistrates and leaders and the councils and the Sanhedrin and different things um, that the Holy Spirit would supply those words in that time. But even for us in the context of evangelizing with our neighbor and with our coworker or um, in a door-to-door or public context, I believe the Holy Spirit at that time will as well fill us with the words to say. And even when it comes to resistance and and, um, if somebody is resistant and they don't want to hear the, the gospel of us even filling us with grace and kindness to to still be peaceable in that situation even if we are being uh, pushed and historically he has done this we read about it in uh, fox's book of martyrs where you know many people have been uh, martyred for christ 
and yet they their testimony was one of grace and trust in Christ, even in the midst of persecution. And I believe all of that is supplied by the Holy Spirit in dwelling us and keeping us. And he's the comforter that ultimately that Christ said he would send the believers. Michael, yes. door to door, why should we do it? Isn't it old and... Uh, a method from bygone era? It is an old method. And even in the New Testament, um, believers, it says that the believers went when wherever they went, they actually uh, proclaimed the gospel as they were scattered because of persecution, that they were the ones proclaiming the gospel. This wasn't the apostles or pastors. It was the individual church members. And but yes, it is. It is a bygone era. But in especially in our in our day and age, when people isolate themselves in their homes, for very many various reasons, which we do as well at times, but they need to hear the gospel. If they're not going to come to us, then we should go to them. And there's groups that are going out and evangelizing. Um, unfortunately, these are cults. And, um, and if we don't, I, I don't believe the church at all, um, the local churches today should at all cede that to Satan. Actually, the Bible gives us confidence in Christ's words that says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. So actually, his church is the one that actually has authority and power to actually see those doors open up for us and actually see people come to faith in the true living son of God, Jesus Christ, and not the one that the cults are out there proclaiming to the world. So we definitely should not. People think it's old fashioned, but sometimes there's a reason um, that it, these methods were used. Yes. I shared this at the uh, gospel proclamation class, but I, I was saying how my mother-in-law's church, which is a Korean church, they have a weekly evangelism group that goes out door to door. They actually go to different neighborhoods. In fact, interestingly enough, they've been even in our neighborhood uh. and they will recommend our church to them. Oh, wow. The people they go door to door. So they're not just about, you know, oh, come to my church. Mm -hmm. It's come to any Christ believing church. Yeah. And so when they go, I mean, their English is broken. They cannot speak well. So they go door to door. And what's interesting is that because our neighborhoods, Dublin, San Ramon, strong Indian community. So a number of different Indians have been coming to their church, a Korean church, putting on translation headsets and listening to sermons that are spoken in Korean in English. So anyone who says, ah, no one's going to respond to this. Well, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, you will do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. And it's just, to me, it's just a reminder of our lack of faith and inability to see what God has in store. Like you said, we've ceded ground to Satan by giving it over to Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, uh, all sorts of cult groups that actually are very successful in going door to door, even though um, we probably all have closed the door on Jehovah's Witnesses, literally and figuratively, yeah. but there are some who do not. They're opening their doors to them. Their success shows that it's not a bygone era because if it was true, they wouldn't be around because no one would be coming Jehovah's Witnesses, but it actually works. Yeah. I think it says more about us than it is about the methodology. You know, and so maybe that's an, the follow-up question is that it's very interesting when it comes to evangelism, methodology is so often put up there as a part of this idea of evangelism or, you know, even the word evangelism itself, which has the word, it just literally means good news coming from the Greek word euangelion. It's just sharing the good news. But when we hear that word, we think of methods, whether it's door-to-door -door friendship evangelism, where you just remain friends and 
somehow by spiritual osmosis, they turn to Christ, even though you never say it, which disregards Romans 10. There's track giving, open air. Um, what are some other methodologies? Like uh, alpha class, door hangers, yeah. crusades. And there's many, yeah. many different ways to share the good news. Why do you feel like we are so focused on the methodology do you think that actually hinders the Christian fervor for sharing the gospel? Because when you look at Acts, it doesn't seem like they're basing their sharing the gospel on a methodology. It flows from their hearts and sometimes often right. against or counterculturally. Um, it, the persecution should lead to us being saying, I don't know if I should do this, right? Let's be safe. But they actually go against that. It actually makes them more bold in sharing the gospel. Not it does. fearing yeah. for their lives and running into caves, fearing but actually sharing the gospel more so even at the cost of their life. And so what is it about our culture that is stuck with methodology? And how do you feel as though that either helps or hinders this heart's desire to share Christ? What do you think? I just asked a ton of questions right there. I don't know exactly what it is with our culture. I think our culture has been affected by the just, I'm a churchgoer, and this job is actually for the pastor and the evangelist to do. And one of the books I read, the author said he was in a church, and the, the speaker, I was actually talking about evangelism, and he said, if this isn't your gift, don't feel any guilt if you don't go. You don't have to go, and you don't even have to tell anybody about Jesus, which is true. We're not saved because we are going to be evangelists. Christ saves us because he loves us and we need saving and because of his goodness and kindness and out of his grace and mercy. But the author was in the audience and he spoke to the speaker afterwards and he said, can I come and speak in your church? And, and the guy says, what are you going to say? What, you know, what would you want to say? And he said, well, you know, I would want to talk about serving because he, he said, if I got up and I told people that because serving isn't your spiritual gift, you're not expected to serve. Or if giving wasn't your spiritual gift, then you don't have to give or tie to the church. And and you know, and, it, and when I when I read that, I was like, ah, yeah. See, there's this idea though that if this isn't your spiritual gift, you're kind of out. You know, I don't have to do it. So I think there is, even though that's just a stretched example, but I think there is a, this idea in the church that if it's not my spiritual gift and I don't have to do it or I shouldn't have to do it. So I think it's not even on, yeah. on people's radar that they are. But like I said, they do this for a lot of other things. They tell about the goodness. People share about the goodness of other things all the time. And, and so, so there many, are evangelists. It's just, what are they evangelizing? What are they evangelizing? And so yeah. I think it is. Um, there are think, sports evangelists. Right. Oh, do, big do time. You think? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, the kind that paint their head and their body, you know, to go to the, you know, shirtless in front at a game. Um, there's people that post a picture of their beach and uh, they're more the than evangelists on. there. I think they're idolaters. Yeah. <laughs> if you're painting your body, yeah. you're a worshiper. Yeah. Yeah. And so people do, they evangelize about a lot of other things, yeah. but when it comes to sharing the gospel, and I think because there is also going to be persecution, there is going to be resistance, there's going to be pushback, there is going to be even spiritual attack. I think people will step back from that in, in of itself. There is that part of it for sure. I do think that there is this incredible hindrance towards our hearts wanting to share Christ. And I think part of it is cultural. There is this feeling as though it's all about the method. 
you know, the method actually is what is most important. That's why I do think that people have this mentality of this method doesn't work. Maybe it's this idea of efficacy. There's going to be a, if it's not effective from the world's perspective, then it's wrong. So if it's, oh, door-to-door evangelism is not effective because only one person out of a hundred doors actually, or let's say one out of a thousand turned to Christ. And they might say, well, that's not worth my time. But for that one person, all of, like you said, all of heaven rejoices when yeah. that one person turns. It's uh, the difference between maybe in some sense between God's economy versus ours, the yeah. way that we see the world, the way that we see things. And I do think American Western idealism and the idea of you put in X amount of work, you should output this amount of effect. But that's not what evangelism looks like a lot of times, right? Right, yeah. You think that in some way hinders how people understand this idea of, well, it's not effective. It doesn't work. It does. Yeah, we are. People are driven by results. And, you know, I mean, just you look at the cost analysis of it and, mm-hmm. you know, of, of getting, yes. buying tracks, going to all these doors, yes. you know, Time. all the man hours put yeah. in and, and then only see one, you know, but that is our, our Lord's um, economy for sure. In yeah. all the parables, what shepherd leaves 99 sheep to go rescue this one that keeps running away, you know, I mean, Those lazy 99, <laughs> they should have gone after the one. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, but he, the, the head shepherd goes himself to do that rescue, you know, for one, there are people languishing in, in their sin, in darkness. And we know the truth, you know, we, we have that. And it's not about methodology. It really, what I like in gospel proclamation, I try to help people. Uh, you know, with different ways that they can evangelize. It's not about one over the other. It's about really about all of them, about, you know, wherever we are in whatever context, whatever, wherever we happen to be. I know when we're surrounded by people, a majority of those people are not going to be saved. A majority of them probably have never even heard the gospel. And even the people that have attended church probably have never heard the real gospel. And And when we have it and we know it and we keep it bottled up, you know, for whatever the reason, it's like, and that's what gospel proclamation was about. It wasn't about, we're going to focus on one method or just door to door or any, but it was about as many things as we could cover in whatever context, just to help people see how they could also share Christ in whatever context they're in. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, but I think there, I think there's a danger to focusing on methodology, Yeah. What makes it hard to share the gospel with a family member? And then how do you think, what would be some suggestions you would have for someone who says, I want to share the gospel with my sibling, my parents, my children, my wife, my husband, but it's just sort of not knowing exactly how to do that. What makes it so hard first? And then what are some suggestions you would have? These are the people closest to us and they know us they know us before our conversion and how maybe even how hideous we were as a person. As you said, they wipe, they could have cleaned your diapers. Cleaned our diapers. Yeah. They Hard know. to share the gospel with someone who cleaned your diapers. Right. Yeah. You know, is that right, Fuji? It's just my kids. So I talked to them about the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It could be aunts and uncles. And I've shared the gospel with my aunts and uncles and I've had a couple of How them. did that go? It went great. I mean, not at first. I mean, there were yeah. times. So what was it like at first? 
one of my uncles, um, like every time we'd get together at Christmas would actually, you know, this is probably the only time I'd see him. He would come right up to me and want to talk kind of like, um, and was this early on when you first turned yeah, to Yeah, when Lord? I first turned to Christ, okay. you know, and he, he would... And you were excited to talk to him. Oh, I loved talking. It. I would share the gospel. I even led yeah. um, one of my other cousins to Christ at like the first Christmas gatherings, you know, mm. there um, with a second cousin. Anybody that would let me <laughs> talk to them, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd share the gospel with them. And yeah, so he would specifically come and try to poke holes, get at me and mock me or, mm-hmm. you know, but in a, it is kind of weird, this loving kind of way, but also... But intentional, like, sure. like to try to like push me to see what would happen. And, and um, at that time, I'm assuming you didn't have too many answers. It's not like you were theologically rounded, grounded, and understood too much because you were a new believer, right? right so right, it's not yeah. like you had a ton of answers. Like, no theological answers to some of, I'm sure, some difficult questions. Yeah, right. Is that true? It is true. But I think the Holy Spirit kind of, kind of filled me pretty quickly with His Word, and um, so I just, yeah, I did my best. And um, but eventually, that uncle, um, my uncle Tony, he he developed cancer, and and I got to talk to him. Um, before he died and uh, before he passed, there was a drastic change in him. He went from totally not believing to saying he's ready to meet the Lord. And ha- he was at peace with, with the Lord fully. We and Angie and the kids went to see him in the hospital. I sh- gave him a gospel of John and talked to him and, you know, shared the gospel with him and, and Christ's promises um, never, when you come to him and believe on him, he'll never cast you out. Some of those basic mm. truths. And he responded, you know, my mom said, you know, my mom called me, said, he's said, he's ready to meet the Lord. He, my mom couldn't believe the change in him. Wow. And he died in hospice a short time later. Praise God. And, and I had another aunt the same way, you know, I mean, I would, they would have us sing gospel hymns at, at Christmas time, me and Angie and, and, um, and things like that. And I would also share the gospel, um, but they all knew me. This is my mom's side of the family. Mm-hmm. And this is my aunt Sarah and she developed cancer as well. Um, my uncle Tony was on my, my dad's side and my aunt Sarah was on my mom's side. And, and the same thing, she, um, she would go to church, but she'd never really, really know if she was born again, you know, and I, it wasn't the evidence of it. The one day we received a call to go see her that she was in hospice and they said, this is it. She's going to pass away and you need to come and see her right away. And Angie and the kids, we came into the house. There she is in the hospital bed. And they said, this, she's not probably not going to make it till tomorrow. And I went over to her and I talked with her and I had the kids leave and I, I shared the gospel with her. And she said, that's what she wanted. You know, she wanted Christ. So she prayed and she, she asked Christ to save her right there. And I believe he did. I believe she was sincere and I told her, I said, you know, if you're sincere, you know, then, then you also need to forgive, you know, mm-hmm. because I said, I know that you, you know, my mom had shared that there was a lot of f- things going mm-hmm. on and with a lot of unforgiveness. And, and she said, I do, I forgive everyone, you know, and she said, she's afraid she didn't want to die. And I said, I know, I understand. And, uh, and I remembered Hezekiah and the story of Hezekiah, how he was going to die. And I told her, I said, you know, it's okay to be afraid to die. It's okay to not want to die because Hezekiah was, you know, when the Kings in the old Testament, he, he didn't want to die. And he prayed that the Lord would extend his life and the Lord did. And it, there's nothing wrong with asking that of the Lord. And so I said, if you'd like, I'll pray with you. And so I actually asked for some oil, olive oil, and I rubbed it on her face, kind of anointed her. And I said, 
um, and we prayed and she thanked me and uh, it was very cheerful and we left that day and um, and then I got a call the next morning from my mom and my mom said, you're not going to believe this. And Sarah's got up <laughs> and she actually is out right now shopping and at Joanne Fabrics. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, she just got better. Like overnight, she got better and, you know, she felt better and she went, you know, and I said, I thought my mom was calling to say that she had passed away. And, and she says, no, she's, she did that. And then as the weeks went on, my mom would call me and report that your Aunt Sarah is having all these people that she had conflict with over and she's like forgiving them and, to, you know, she's feeding them mm. and she's making knitting gifts mm. and she still had cancer though. But I believe the Lord did extend her life, mm. you know, extended for another one to two months. And, um, and then she passed away. One wow. night in her sleep, she passed away and, and that was it. But there was fruit of that yeah. in, you know, of that repentance. And yeah. it wasn't, like I said, this was just a simple, you know, I've shared the gospel with her before, but it, it was never seen anything. But then at that yeah. last moment, she was willing to really listen yes. and take heart. And yes. so it's just a matter of being ready to talk to people and we don't have to have all the theological truths, mm -hmm. but we can focus on, on those same truths that led us to the Lord mm -hmm. and that the Lord used to, to bring us to himself. So you shared, I mean, very similarly, just how the Lord does this tremendous work, not because we deserve it, but because he shows us his presence in different ways. And sometimes through miraculous works like your Aunt Sarah. I mean, that's, yeah, <laughs> that was a twist because I was totally expecting you to say, and she died. Oh, right? yeah, she passed away, yeah. but she got up and started going to Joanne Fabrics. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you told another story. Like, if you wouldn't mind sharing that story about your mom, because I feel like it's one of those stories, like the story you just gave, where it just re reminds me, and I'm sure it, it will remind others of how the Lord, He just blesses us, you know, far more than we can ever ask for or imagine. And in ways that when we just, trust him and walk with him and live life for him that he's always providing, mm. always giving us pictures of his blessing. And so mind sharing that story about we, your mom? Yeah. So my mom went to, um, and this was not that long ago. No, this was just a month ago, I think, or so maybe a few weeks ago. Uh, my mom, uh, who is blind, she can't see at all. Um, she wasn't always blind, but she lost her vision. Um, through um, an autoimmune type of disease, but she um, completely blind, but she was going to go to the nail salon and have her nails done. There sitting in around her were several women. They asked my mom made small talk with the lady that doing my mom's nails was asking about my mom's family and husband and marriage and just all the talk people do like barbershop talk, I'm sure. But one of the ladies there, I guess in the seat next to my mom, shared started questioning oh i can't help but overhear what you're talking about in your marriage how long have you been married and my mom was sharing about her marriage and and how do you stay married so long my mom you know not never the one who <laughs> to be afraid to share about the lord you know said it's completely because of the lord completely because of jesus christ that we remained married after you know for 50 years you know and so they were they were wow that's the secret because some people will say yeah it's a glass of wine every night or you know making sure you have a date night every year so often but my mom said it's the lord and uh she's right though it, it is the lord this woman had so many questions for my mom and my mom would started revealing more and more talking about church talking about her own testimony talking about the lord and 
in many different ways. And this lady happened to be a Catholic. Her name is Claudia. And she was, um, you know, just kind of really taken by my mom's sharing. And my mom was feeling convicted, like, I should really talk to this person. I should really, you know, share more and, you know, ask them about their faith. And, you know, and but this lady did share she was uh, going to a Catholic church and really kind of struggled with her own belief. And then my mom's uh, pedicurist was done. The nail person was done. And, and my mom says, oh, it's time to go. You know, I need to go. And so my mom said, goodbye. Nice to meet you. And was gone. And uh, and my, my mom said when she left the salon, she felt really convicted and guilty that she didn't get the lady's number or contact information. The Holy Spirit was just really compelling her. Like, you need to keep talking to her. You need to keep going, you know. And my mom was, she called me and told me the story that night. She said, I just feel so guilty. And I said, Mom, I'll pray for you, you know, but you did well, Mom. Don't You did really good. And uh, my mom goes, yeah. And I said, you never know what the Lord does with the little things that we're able to share in the time we, we can share. I don't believe he intends for us to always give the full complete gospel presentation sometimes it's bits and pieces that we can get in and and then some people you know dig the hole and some people plant the seed and some people you know water but it's god that is the one that brings it to life and gives fruit and so so my mom was actually kind of encouraged and but she didn't think she would ever see this lady again and the chances of it happening were really uh odd however a couple of days later my mom my dad has to go to Home Depot and nobody else can go with him. And so he says, you know, will you come to make sure I help I get the right thing? And my mom was like, I, I can't go. I, I can't even see, you know. And so so she decides to go because, you know, my dad uh, didn't want to go alone. And she, like I said, she wasn't even supposed to go, but she decides to go along with him. And uh, they're in the Home Depot parking lot walking into the store. And all of a sudden, my mom hears this lady yell out, Pearl, you know, and my mom recognizes the voice and the lady comes up to my mom and says, Pearl, it's me, Claudia. I'm so good to see you. And and the lady actually says, I wanted to get your contact information so we could keep on talking. And, and my mom was stunned. You know, my mom was excited and happy because my mom said, replied, I wanted to get yours too. And, and I should have gotten your contact information. And yeah, so they exchanged numbers. You know, that's as far as the story's gone so far. But the Holy Spirit is the one who, as sovereign God, is able to even take things where we think we fail and think where we messed up. And whether it's our clumsy words in the gospel presentation or things, he's able to take those things and make them golden. He's able to redeem them for his own purposes and it's just amazing how he does that and my mom is an evangelist she is she shares the gospel with so many people and she says actually being blind is a gift because she's not afraid of what their face is expressing you know she can't see that so she just keeps going <laughs> you know? they may be frowning or be have an angry look and she, but she can't see it so she just keeps talking i think i need that <laughs> so, I think that's great yeah yeah my mom's faith is since she had become blind she's really increased and she said herself that um if she had to decide for the closeness that the blindness has actually brought her to Christ, decide of having that or having her vision back, she would refuse her vision back. That's sort of like Johnny. Yeah. Johnny Erickson Tata, yeah. what she would say about her accident. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not saying it wasn't hard. I mean, yes, it's, absolutely. It's not saying it's not difficult for her. She says the closeness now that she has with Christ is, is stronger than it, it mm. ever was when she walked by sight. And now she really understands what it means to truly walk, walk by, by faith, faith and yes. not by sin. Yeah. yeah.
may we also walk by faith and not by sight yes. with eyes. So regarding Gospel Well, we have decided to add in a, a new section on gospel proclamation. So gospel mission with a gospel proclamation focused more towards evangelism, like sharing the gospel with others, the good news with others. And uh, I'm excited for that. And Michael's going to be leading that this coming term. And I, I do think that that's such an important outflow of it. In fact, uh, for Jack Miller, who is somewhat of a little bit of an inspiration of even our doing gospel well, he has such a evangelism heart and it was always integrated into sonship. He was known to pick up hitchhikers all the time and bring them to their house and have them stay with them for like weeks. <laughs> I, I, that says a lot more about Rosemary Miller than it does Jack Miller. <laughs> I mean, literally, he would pick them up and say, you want to stay over for a couple of weeks? And he had that heart. I heard there were stories where he would, there was a whole motorcycle gang. You ever hear this story? And he would go up to them and share the gospel. And I mean, this is with a big motorcycle gang by himself. Wow. And he would just go right into the middle of them and be like, let me tell you about Jesus. And I think a couple of them turned to Christ and they were significant for church planting. So the Lord just does these tremendous things that I think we miss out on when we don't actually share the gospel. Like we always say, why doesn't the Lord do miracles in our, well, maybe it's because we, we're not, it's sort of this chicken or the egg. Mm. We'll share Christ. And you will see miracles, actually, as you've seen and as your mom is seeing. So we are going to make this an integral part of Gospel Well moving forward. And I'm excited for you to share that. Your heart, so blessed for those past few weeks. just want to thank you for that. I'm blessed. And you know, really, I'm, there's so many stories from not me, but people in our church that have shared the gospel. And are, even this, in the last two weeks, have been sharing the gospel with friends mm. and neighbors yes. and i want to hear those stories i want to see them give testimony yes. uh, to those things as well because i think i really believe the lord is doing something even if it's just with a small group of people yes but he's doing something here for sure and i think like you said i think sometimes it, it is a lack of faith on my part and us as a church because we maybe we don't believe we don't pray believing that he is, is able to do more than mm -hmm. we can possibly imagine yes. think or ask but if we ask i think he will yeah he will do yes. this his arm is mighty to save yes. and so amen he, yeah we just need to ask thank you so much michael for thank being you. with us today's sponsor for this episode has been joanne's fabric and home depot there's space for more sponsorships in the future so pray to the lord see you next week